High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumberers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. Your assignment today was to watch 2021's Kid 90. But before we talk about that one, we have some homework to discuss. Absolutely. Please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that be Google podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, others that I don't know about. <laughs> and of course, class participation, as always, is a huge part of your grade. So follow High School Slumber Party on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also follow Island on Twitter. Wait, did you did you get an Instagram? You were teasing it. You know, life, life happens, life explodes, and um, I have not completed that task yet but it's it's on my to-do list i didn't want to offend you by not following you yet if you created one so i did not all good <laughs> well follow Island on twitter sure and uh before we get into kid 90 as well did you hear any feedback from our work it episode um i think uh certainly we had uh some fun on twitter around work it and my jordan fisher facts as well as <laughs> Um, Boner Watch 2021. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't yet listened to that um, and or watched it, it's fun. It's fun times. Certainly there's a lot of seriousness in the world and there's some seriousness in this movie tonight. And uh, Work It is a nice, you know, after dinner mint to some of the more serious things that we uh, talk about. So if you haven't, it's a lot of fun. Go back and listen to it, please. For sure. A lot of people I talked to who watched the movie really, really enjoyed it. So I was happy to hear that. I got that sense and even some direct comments about like, oh, wow, I should have watched this movie, but I didn't. And I feel like we're going to get that a lot on all sides of the spectrum of the serious movies or fun movies. But yeah, and I guess that's the point of High School Slumber Party AP, right? So I was happy to hear that as well. But speaking of Netflix and speaking of Work It, Eisen, you had homework and I've been excited to assign you this homework assignment because i mean it's just so relevant to what we talk about but it was a couple years ago this is too long of a tease (laughs) did you do your homework did you watch to all the boys i've loved before i did i did oh what a journey that took me on so um i'll be honest that i had anticipated multitasking And so I had a couple of thank you notes, maybe a craft project set up. And I was like, okay, I'm going to throw this thing on and, you know, get my homework done. 
And then I ended up watching the darn thing. Nice. With with almost full attention. <laughs> I yes, and I, I texted you at one point because <laughs> overall I, I was impressed. I think the the quality of the of it, both in like artistic cinematic quality and in acting, I found really high. Like I was I was impressed. More so than I maybe thought I would be. I don't know why. Well, that's I don't good. know. I don't know why I <laughs> I don't know why I was um, hesitant, maybe because it is coming on the heels of like the American pie, which was fun, but took a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, I was overall impressed. I did text you because to all the boys I've loved um, made the teen dramedy um, <laughs> error of casting young men who look very similar in different roles. And that's hard for me. That's especially when the content is new, of course. And of course. my example of that is Veronica Mars, which I, I love and would talk about any iteration of it at any point. <laughs> but early on, you know, they had a protagonist and a really yucky sidekick. And it turns out Kristen Bell and the yucky sidekick had fantastic chemistry. And so oh, you know, wow. things, things shifted, but it turns out they looked similar. And so they dressed them in different colors every episode. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's talked about. So Duncan Kane is always in blue and Logan Eccles is always in green or green and orange or green and brown to help the audience keep them you know, uh, tell them apart. And so I, I had hoped for a little, a little bit of help with the two, uh, the gentleman who plays Peter and the gentleman who plays Josh, because to me, they looked very similar. Am I, is that just me or was that a thing? No, I definitely see where you're coming from, but I think in the zeitgeist of the internet at the time, mm-hmm. Noah Centennial as Peter became the internet's boyfriend. Right. And this guy, Israel Broussard, yeah. He, not the most PC guy. He had some oh. anti-Black Lives Matter stuff online. He uh, was tweeting Sandy Hook conspiracy theories. So he was, like, knocked out of the oh, series. Wow. People hated him. So the juxtaposition between Internet Boyfriend and Josh the douche. And he ends up being with... Interesting. I mean, she ends up, you know, at the end of the first movie getting with Peter. Josh was thrown out. Like, Josh is apparently, I I didn't read the books, but my guest Jenna Guillaume did, and she's a YA writer, and she was telling me that, like, Josh was a bigger character through the rest of the books, Mm -hmm. but this is the last time he's even mentioned. And fans were very, very happy about that. So so truly, truly canceled, as the kids say. Yes, yes. Truly canceled. So definitely, like... Interesting. Okay. On first watch, I was with you, but that was that at the time. Because, again, I watched it maybe a couple weeks after it came out. It was a super, super important movie in this genre. I don't know if I would have seen it if I didn't do this podcast. Because, sure. again, definitely wasn't made for me, right? Or whatever. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I ended up really enjoying it. And coming off the kissing booth, which the kids loved, but everyone I knew who watched it was like, this is a hot piece of garbage. Sure. It was such a pleasant surprise because I had assumed every Netflix movie was going to be like this, or 
I just could not connect to Gen Z at all. Right. But this movie, you know, everyone says the dad is hot in, in the movie. Like I love John Corbett, <laughs> right? Let me just let me put that out there. Way back from Northern Exposure. Yeah. Uh, because my dad, for whatever reason, something about Northern Exposure really connected with him. I don't know if the rural nature of it, whatever it was, but I remember being very, very young and he had talked about this show, but it was on late. It, it was summer. I, you know, was not paying attention and I was asleep and I remember being woken up and my dad saying, come on, come on, get up, get up. And I was like, there's a fire, something happened. <laughs> I was a very nervous kid. And it was because he wanted me to watch the opening credits where the oh. moose walks through town. Oh, <laughs> So Northern Exposure, John Corbett has been in my life a long time. I was so pleasantly surprised to see him. I did think he was charming. Certainly in the car, dropping her off for the ski trip and the let's talk about your sexual health. I loved that because they were both so themselves and, mm-hmm. and doing their best. And I, and I like to see the talk portrayed in a variety of ways that maybe are not what you might expect. I should read the book because... Just in the movie itself, not knowing the controversy of the actors, I felt like I didn't need the Josh of it all because that also weirded me out, like that it was her sister's boyfriend and like they all hung out. That did make me uncomfortable. And I felt like it did put Josh in that in a really uncomfortable position while I'm not I'm not generally going to be on the side of like entitled young man who's like but you you know i this is not what i wanted i did feel for him in the scene of like what do you want me to do with this and she's like i can't talk to you anymore and and so what with the story without the josh right with just sisters going to college clean up your room little sister mails the letters which is wild and (laughs) wild that's that's enough yeah, oh, for sure. And I think everyone was on the same page with you. Even okay. cancel stuff aside, mm-hmm. like, at the time, nobody was really like Team Josh. And poor, well, I was about to say poor Josh. <laughs> I, I guess I will say poor character in the book that uh, <laughs> did not survive the this iteration. But I think that's also, to me, just interesting, right? Of what resonates on a page versus what resonates on a screen and the decisions you make to adapt something. So I'm I, I, I'm glad to now be slightly conversant in this very popular cultural moment. And um, my Netflix has already suggested I watch the second one. So I'm, I'm sure I will at some point. I, I really liked the lead actress. Yeah, Lana Condor. Lana Condor. Yeah, I, re- I really liked her. And and yeah, I would I would engage in the next chapter. Well, normally we do this at the end, but let's go ahead and do this, Iceland. Since we have already watched To All the Boys I Love Before, and we've already watched its sequel here in High School Slumber Party, To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, that'll be your homework assignment for whatever movie we do next time. But All right. Because I, I, I want to set you up, because I'm getting so excited that you're now, I feel like you're in the club now, you mm-hmm. know, this weirdo club <laughs> we have on High School Slumber Party. But yeah, when I started this podcast, it was all like, you know, talking about nostalgia movies. But To All the Boys was really like, oh, that that was like the moment where I was really like, oh, I got to pay attention. And of course, eventually, years later, it leads to, I think, us doing this show. So it's super, super important. But you brought up Jordan Fisher. 
Jordan Fisher is in the second one, and things change. <laughs> so if you remember at the or did you? I don't know if you stayed to the end credits, or I don't remember where they put this, but okay, it might be after the end credits, or it might be right before. But she opens her door, and it's yeah, it's one of the guys. So they that was just a random person. The sure. movie does so well that Netflix is like, oh, we got to back this. Do this again. And they recast that guy as Jordan Fisher. Oh, fun. Okay. So it becomes kind of Peter versus him and okay. hijinks ensue. One thing I do want you to notice for the second one as well, this movie got Twilighted or something you're probably familiar with on Contenders or just generally watching things, that the first one was directed by a woman. It did better than they thought it would. Mm-hmm. The woman mysteriously disappears. And some dude directs the second two. So well, that's a bummer. See if you can, you know, pick up. Okay, on Okay, I will. I do, and then I look forward to talking about that phenomenon next time because I've got a hot take on the Twilight specifics of that. Um, so can't wait to fun. hear that. It's not even it's not even the conversation, it's the pre-conversation. <laughs> I'm teeing up the pre-conversation. Yeah, so it was fun. So what what did we watch? Kid 90, of course, is today's film, and we kind of talked a little bit off-air Iceland about maybe warning the guests a little bit because as much fun as we had talking to all the boys, I'm sure we're still gonna have fun, but it's gonna be a different kind of fun. You know, Absolutely. it's gonna be yeah. Yes. I had a friend um, sort of let me know ahead of time. So uh, as I consider all of our listeners friends, uh, I just want to start here to say that um, Kid 90 includes a lot of discussion around suicidal ideation and, and suicide, as well as some discussions of, of sexual assault and, and consent. And there was more of that in it than I had expected. And so likely there will be more of that in our discussion. And so to our lovely audience, if, if that's not a discussion you're up for hearing today, that's okay. Go ahead and listen back to another episode. Listen to Work It Again. Uh, listen to, to All the Boys I've Loved Before or any of the other fantastic 200 episodes and then um, you know come back around for the next episode. Or when you feel like this is a discussion you wanna hear, come on back. So yeah, that is my content advisory. There's some serious stuff ahead and also a lot of fun. And I want to apologize for that as well. So I saw this movie, I don't want to say at a party, but kind of. It was on the background, like, oh, Kid 90. Like I put it on like, oh, this is that Soleil Moon Fry thing. But like I, I was paying attention, but I wasn't paying attention like for the podcast, right? So I knew there was some dark stuff because obviously, but... We didn't like sit down on the couch and just watch it. It was mm-hmm. like we were in the kitchen, we were talking, we were drinking. It was kind of and on in sure. the background. So you, I would occasionally pop in and see like, oh, that what you know, this is cool. Look at all these celebrities. Look at the footage. And then yeah, I, I caught some dark moments, but watching it just like in my living room alone, taking notes. Yeah, a lot more gravity this time on this watch. So if I would have mm-hmm. known if it was had this much content like that. I would have definitely been like, "Hey, <laughs> uh, this is not the this is not work it, you know." Right. But yeah, I'm glad I got to see it again in this light and for its intention, not as background party movie, which sounds <laughs> perverse now. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to talk about it because I'm eager to hear what you think and just you know your your overall impressions. We talked about this a, briefly last time, but. 
obviously the movie just came out. It's on Hulu, as you said. So, oh, don't want to forget this. Do you have the uh, Hulu description? What are they called? The 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 uh, synopsis. Synopsis. Yes. Do you have it handy? I do. I would love to hear it to you. It is a little lengthy, so you know. Ooh. Netflix. Netflix is so short, and Hulu's good to know. Everybody's different. All right. As a teenager in the 90s, Soleil Moon Fry carried a video camera everywhere she went. She documented hundreds of hours of footage and then locked it away for 20 years. After all this time, Kid 90 unlocks the vault and presents a true time capsule of a group of friends growing up in Hollywood and New York City in the 90s, balancing childhood and fame pre-internet and social media explosion. It is a deeply personal coming-of-age story that explores how... Sometimes we need to look back to find our way forward, in quotes. Soleil is joined by lifelong friends and fellow child stars who provide commentary on growing up in the 90s, including David Arquette, Stephen Dorff, Balthazar Getty, Mark Paul Gossler, Brian Austin Green, Tori Leonard, Heather McComb, and more. Awesome. That is long, but, you know, informative and good. Uh, And this is a documentary, if we haven't made it clear I know I haven't covered too many documentaries myself on High School Slumber Party, but I think you and I, Eisen, will cover more because, I don't know, I feel like, one, I think they make more documentaries now than ever, and two, I think these issues, especially teen issues, are more prevalent in media, if you will. The only one we, maybe we cover more than one, but I know, just coming to my head, Hoop Dreams is really the only one we've covered on High School Slumber Party. And that was like a seminal moment in documentary history. I'm happy to do more docs. If you're a traditional High School Slumber Party listener or a listener of High School Slumber Party AP, it'll probably sound a little different because we're not talking about a narrative film, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a great combination of our mission, which is contemporary stories and the nostalgia piece, right? Because that's that's the driving force is is nostalgia. I'm I'm interested to talk about it. I certainly have mixed feelings. That's good. That's good, though. I mean, I mean, I will not if you had a bad time watching it necessarily, but I, I feel like we'll have a good dialogue on this film, and it is at its core a coming of age film. Just I think a little bit of a different one than we're used to seeing because these are real people and these are celebrities from their era so just like you and i were teens and we grew up they had that experience too except it was very different just being in the spotlight i'm i'm so impressed that she had that video camera on so often you know because there's a lot of footage here and i can only imagine what ended up on the, the cutting room floor absolutely yeah i mean it's so that's the piece where for me for me her being a celebrity and having access to technology in that way. I don't know that a lot of young people had tiny camcorders in the early nineties, right? Because that, that would have been expensive. So that to me is like, Oh, clearly this is a person who had access to things. And yet the footage is, I don't want to say mundane, because it is it is very special, but it's not unique. Oh, definitely. Right? Definitely. Uh, you know, she seemed to have some questions. She asked a lot of people, what's your life philosophy was something that came over and over in it. You know, she was 
filming her friends on road trips, filming her friends at parties, filming, filming folks drinking and doing drugs, which wow. And, and I am, I was impressed that everybody involved signed off on it. So that, so that's another question I have of like, who did we not see in it? And, and kind of what did we not see in it? Because they all said yes to these things. I think what it wanted to do was maybe show that juxtaposition between something very, very special, like Punky Brewster. There is no other Punky Brewster. And yet the universality of coming of age, of growing up, of how important those friendships are in that time of your life. And I don't know if it was successful. Yeah. What you're saying is a really good point. Well, on this watch, I was thinking about like a Gen Zers, younger, maybe listeners out there, just younger people watching it, who one, have no idea who any of these people are, or and two, look at their TikToks, and there's so much, I don't want to say better, better is a bad word, but they're doing so many more innovative things with what they're filming and what they're doing, and they've had a camera in their face since they were a babe, since they were babies, you know? Yeah. Mundane is actually a great word for it. And it is something that drew me in, but I could see it being boring for other people because people don't film like that anymore. We all have cameras on us at all times. We all have our phones. And it's like if my wife was cooking in the kitchen and I just started filming her, she'd be like, what are you doing? That's just weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, things are curated (laughs) so differently. (laughs) And that was one of my big takeaways on this second watch, just like that. I I don't know. I I guess I just never thought of just the way we film things is completely different. And I thought about like my dad with like a camcorder back in the day, and he would film these mundane things, or my grandfather too. I like a year ago or no, I think it was during, I think it was during a quarantine or whatever. Well, not like hard quarantine. I don't know, whatever. But it was, it was recently. I went through like a stack of tapes in my grandparents' house and I was putting some of them in. And while it was fun to see like my grandmother young because she has Parkinson's and she hasn't been able Mm -hmm. to really walk in like, you know, almost a decade now. At the same time, when you think about the subject matter, Like, why did he film going to the airport, you know? Why did he film the ride from the airport to the resort? Like, I I don't know. And then I really, sorry, I just really thought about that when watching this. I'm glad she did it, but it was was just different, you know? Yeah. When we last left off just kind of teasing this film, we had discussed that um, Soleil Moon Fry and that kind of, the generation depicted here was a little before our time. Not in the grand scheme of things, which is hilarious, right? Like, sometimes I see something that's like 10 years old. I'm like, what? I thought that just came out. But when you're young, a two-year gulf between someone feels like so, so much. So I think we're just on like the tail end of this. So I don't know, maybe someone a little bit older than you and me might connect more with these celebrities, right? Sure. And, and, and again, some of them, right? So I did not watch Punky Brewster I don't think I've ever watched. I the, I saw more Punky Brewster in this film than I've seen in my life. However, Jonathan Brandis was an important figure to oh, me. Oh, really? I loved Sequest. <laughs> That's great. We talked to the dolphins, and I think Brian Austin Green 
for example, because he has been in pop culture on off and on kind of the whole time, you know, mm -hmm. is someone else that I'm more familiar with. But yeah, so not everyone. And I, I sort of wondered, okay, if this were, if this were documenting the Partridge family and that, like if it was David Cassidy and, and the other folks that hung out with him, would I care, right? In this in kind of reflecting your question of, does Gen Z care about this? I don't know, but certainly people who watch Punky Brewster probably care deeply. I, I think you're right. I, I'm someone who, well, obviously I have a podcast, but I love pop culture. So I was able, and I love the good old Wikipedia. So I was able to, or I've gone down rabbit holes with a lot of these people, but it wasn't from like a nostalgia sense. Punky Brewster, I was very aware of as a kid because people mentioned it, but didn't watch it religiously. So I'm on the same page with you when it comes to that. But that's why my watch at the party that I was at, theoretically, and I'm sounding way cooler than I am. It was it was a get-together of friends. That's why it was more fun, if you will, to watch this movie. Because if you just have it on in the background, it just likes like VCR footage. If you see uh, here or there a celebrity you know, or like, oh, I know that guy, I know that guy. Oh, look at them, or wow, this, like, Stephen Dorff is good-looking now, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's easier to digest, but at the same time, would I have more fun if this was something about, I don't know, Britney Spears and her friends or whatever, or something sure. like more visual language for me growing up? Or even just, you know, slightly later, if this were... Um... Buffy and Dawson's Creek stars. There you go. That's more, yeah. I was like, right? yeah, exactly. Like, that so, would be interesting. Yeah. And again, it's not that far off. I think for uh, independent, like, spunky young women, I would say Blossom was more my mm. era than Punky Brewster. And, and, and then also kind of back to, does it matter? Is it supposed to matter? Is that, is knowing these particular people the point? Or is the point... The u universality of coming of age, regardless of your era and your fame and whatever else, I think it does have something to say about that particular time period because of the technology, because of thinking of skate culture and, and things like that that kind of wove into it. And again, doesn't matter when it was, nostalgia's nostalgia. Normally, I would say no, right? Normally, I would just assume, you know, say it should just stand on its own um, as just this like universal teen story. But because they are famous, I think it does matter a little bit. Because if, if we if we're watching and we see that room and everyone in this room, like you can almost theoretically click on them and they have their own story and sure. we kind of know about it. I think it would improve the film. For, for viewers, I can't, again, imagine a Gen Zer watching this and really being able to connect. Again, there is this universal story that I think is there. And, and you know, we're definitely going to talk about that. But, again, I think it goes up a notch the more aware you are of the characters. Because it is about fame. Sure, absolutely. I was also struck by this idea that she didn't look at it until this project. And I also did just a, a some mild Wikipediaing, and I noticed that her marriage was 1998 to 2020. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious what that had to do with 
whether or not she engaged with any of this stuff. Was this all her youth? Because she got married fairly young. Like, did she kind of close that book? And now it's family and, you know, she's kind of a different person. And now she's 2019, it looked like was a reboot of Punky Brewster. And so like that door then opened again. I don't know. I was just sort of curious about how that relationship and that relationship ending may have intersected with this project revolving around kind of rediscovering her past. I think I think that's such a valid point to bring up. And normally, you know, if we're not talking about something that's so personal, you know, it, it's like a whatever thing. We're not us us weekly here, but it, <laughs> it, it is so personal. Um, she's the director. She's you know one of the main producers. Right. She's the, the interviewer. The, the interviewer. This is so her. One of the facts I gathered was it took her four years to go through all the footage, and some of that might just be like. It's not easy to watch all this stuff in a row emotionally. But we've seen, maybe through our own lives or maybe through whatever parents or friends' parents, that like divorces don't just happen overnight all the time. Um, it could have been something she was definitely going through, just like that whole nostalgia of... Maybe nostalgia is a bad word because I think nostalgia always... I think bright when I think nostalgia, not necessarily sure. bright, just the looking back on life, if you will. Um, also, the fact that the sh- her show was starting up again, which I think it was filming in 2019, and I think it really dropped in 2020, maybe it was towards the tail end of 2019. But for her to open that chapter again to be Punky Brewster again, it's not that she was just got a TV show again. She's playing the same character again. I imagine... As an actor, and we learn here that she goes to the actor's studio, you know how they are with their their method and stuff. I imagine she kind of saw it as the right time to open that door again and tap into those emotions. And Sure. I am grateful that we get to, that she shared that experience with us. And if that was cathartic for her, that's awesome as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's totally valid to be like, where, what? Because we don't get that in the film. She's not like... I was going through a divorce, so I decided to right. do this. Or I was restarting Punky Brewster again, so I decided to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's a really, really good question. Because we kind of just, it kind of just starts like, I decided to open this. I can't decide if I want to say I have a complaint or I want to point out a missed opportunity. I'm going to go with missed opportunity. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the the themes was, for from my perspective, was the way that she was sexualized by the film industry in part because she developed physically very quickly and and in a fairly pronounced way right she was a tiny human mm-hmm. and when she developed breasts she developed what could you know arguably very large breasts and then had a breast reduction and still has a hourglass figure Things I'm saying, true, without, <laughs> I'm, without judgments, those are the facts as they were presented to us, yes. right? And she talks about how men treated her differently, how her, her team treated her differently, how it impacted all these things. And, and she had you know, breast reduction at a very young age, et cetera, et cetera. She talks about both publicly and privately the importance of her virginity and what that sort of meant to her, her career, et cetera. And then we get this very loving 
reflection on her relationship with Charlie Sheen. December 18th, 1994, I lost my virginity. He was my first, who would have known? It's been the most strange and incredible day ever. I don't truly know how to explain my feelings. He's somebody I've had a crush on for years. He's a person that intrigues me and excites me. He was my, my Mr. Big. Are we, are we going to get into this now? Because this is... I would like to. Because... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> here's the missed opportunity. As I'm looking at her and at different points, she is, you know, teary-eyed about things or she she's talking about... She seems to be reflecting on her experience and thinking about her children and, and this and that. Mm. And nowhere does it say, wow, it is inappropriate for a 29-year-old man to be having a sexual relationship with a teenage girl. I don't care who you are, Charlie Sheen or not, Sully Moonfry or not, that's not appropriate. And it, it wasn't appropriate then, it's certainly not appropriate now. And while I, I could feel that she was, you know, telling the story as, as it was written, right? Cause she reads out of her diary about it and I am, glad that she felt and feels positive about it that there's you know there are a lot of folks that don't have positive memories about early sexual experiences and and she also has some that that were not consensual and that's that shouldn't have happened either i just wish there had been a little bit of like i felt comfortable in that relationship and looking back on it now that was inappropriate and, and I, I looked at the IMDb to kind of see where he was. And he was wildly famous at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so there's also, so there's the age power dynamic. There's the fame power dynamic. There is a opening and closing doors in Hollywood power dynamic. I, w I felt it was a missed opportunity to look more critically at the aspects of that relationship beyond who the individual humans were. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, this was, both times, the most jarring thing about the film. I know, regardless of who the humans were, for sure, but Charlie Sheen does not have the greatest reputation when it comes to, to treating women and people a certain way, right? And to go from that to, like, oh, there was one person who comforted me, Charlie Sheen, and it's like, it feels like a punchline. You're like, what? Right. And, and, and I felt like at the moment, because she, she gives a narrative of a non-consensual sexual experience, and then she mentions Charlie Sheen, and then she reads the other diary entry, I thought for a minute it was the same thing. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, damn, is Charlie Sheen aware that like she just outed him in this way? And, and it turns out the identity of the non-consensual experience we don't have is my interpretation. So if I'm wrong, tell me. And that it's this lovely relationship with, with Charlie Sheen, who, you know, would always say Charles on the answering machine. And it just creeped me out. Oh my God. Yeah, I just, I, yes, I think jarring is a great word for it. And, and that to me, that made me disappointed in in what they chose to include and not. And, and that's when I started really more critically saying, okay, so like, what are you trying to say to me? I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, it's so weird in that sense. Um, you hit on this earlier, but just to clarify, she makes it pretty clear either in the film or 
uh, through the interviews she did that she got everyone's consent for the film. Even uh, Corey Feldman, who is briefly in the movie, and he just like, says some quote, like she got his mother's consent for that footage. And Leonardo DiCaprio, who's in it a lot in the background, he's one of the producers of the film. That's great and all, and I appreciate that. But when you do that, to me, you're still in this kind of bubble of friendship. Like you're not going to, you can't be 100% honest. Um, sure. I, did you did you watch through the outtakes? Not outtakes, but did, uh, through the credits? I did. As she showed people the footage? Yeah. That was fun. I mean, certainly I um, I enjoyed seeing David Arquette oh, as yeah. himself. Oh. oh, I loved that. Loved that. Right. It's been a while. And he reflected back and forth. Yeah, I just, I felt like it was an endorsement a little bit of the relationship and of of a 29-year-old man having a relationship with a teenage girl. And to be clear, he was not the only, like, 20-something-year-old she was hanging out with the entire time. And that's, nev- that's never made, though, to be like, oh, and I shouldn't have really been, ha- been hanging out with this 30-year-old with drugs. Like, she never says that sure. in the movie. So it is odd in that sense. But in the end credits, she says something to, I think it's Stephen Dorff, She's like, I kind of thought you were an asshole or something along those lines to him. Yeah. And it's funny in time, but it also made me think like, I wish that kind of came across in the footage too. Sure. I hope they didn't sign off and be like, just don't show me being an asshole or something along those lines. So I don't know if this is necessarily a true story, but how I see it, it's more like, this is just how she wanted to present the footage. It's a very personal project. And ultimately, is it a true representation of what existed Probably not. Doesn't mean she's lying. This is just where her head is right now. Sure. And some I, of that I, is not great. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. And I don't and I, I don't want to rewrite her story. I just feel like there were other moments where she included that reflection and she included footage of her with her children. And David Arquette talked about watching this, thinking about his own you know what I mean? Like it was reflecting back on what was okay or not, what was dangerous or not, what really happened or not. Like that's what she said over and over again. I wanted to know if what I remembered was true, which arguably it's true for you. So it's true. Right. I mean, I would never, so I'm, as I'm sure I don't have to remind listeners, part of my work is as, as you know, I've been a direct service victim advocate. I would never tell someone you are a survivor or you're not a survivor, right? That's not for me to say. I, I would not name something for someone. And so I, I don't want, I'm not, I hope I'm not trying to do that here. It's just, I feel like there's some um, unfortunate selectivity with when she puts that 2021 lens on this footage and this, these experiences. And when there's a kind of an absence of that commentary, that's, that's, I found it inconsistent and I found it inconsistent in this way that I then came to be troubled by. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes total sense. Uh, Charlie Sheen aside, because sure. he's a punchline. We could, we, we could Charlie Sheen it up all night. Let's not. <laughs> no, but, but relatedly, one of the big, touchstone relationships of the film is that relationship she has with that guy from house of pain uh danny boy o'connor yes Mm -hmm. and he i looked up was eight years older than her and 
if, if we're saying two years older than you when you're a teen is a lot, eight years older is a gulf. And I think she was, in that footage, she was 17. So, right. that's so 26. Not, tw- 26. 25, 26, yeah. 26. And, like, that's not cool. And he was obviously, yeah. I don't know. And, and one of, like, the loving things at the end of the movie is, like, them kind of reconnecting and getting back together. And I see how that was important for her. But it's maybe not to the Charlie Sheen level, but it's almost another one of these older people that she was with. And that's, I don't know. And to be fair, when when we reconnect with him, and clearly just based on how it's shot and, and what they've included, his story is very different than that of a Brian Austin Green, right? He's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's not in LA. He... I think alludes to being in recovery in some way mm-hmm. and, and that things, you know, got, got worse, got bad, what have you. I, at that point was much more interested in his story. Like mm-hmm. I wanted more of that. Makes sense. You know? And that's where I, I, then I got a little bit fatigued of like, okay, so like I'm following you on this journey. What are you saying? <laughs> and I was a little bit frustrated when it felt like just a search for validation. Mm. And I want to be transparent to say, I often am the person who is annoyed by the thing I see in myself, Mm. right? So then I was like, okay, am I annoyed by this because it's familiar to me? Am I also the kind of person who will track you down in 20 years and say, was our relationship real? I don't know. I was going to say, are you? I don't know. We're getting well, to know each see. other on this show. I mean, <laughs> is that your next big project? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, not not twenty years ago from now. No, I'm good on I'm good on bad <laughs> things. <laughs> oh man, that would be um the the a title of that would be to all the boys I made cry in the band room. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> oh God, so. What were some of the things maybe you enjoyed about the film then? Because I think we are in, in agreement uh, that w- there there was an icky element to that that doesn't really translate. Maybe I guess not to me. I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, what were there some enjoyable moments you had? Absolutely. Um, I loved seeing the people that she interviewed and she spoke with. One, I loved to see people that I had seen on TV and and may or may not have been fans of, but like aging beautifully. Oh my goodness. Right? I think she's gorgeous. I think Balthazar Getty is gorgeous. I don't know that I thought that in his youth <laughs> necessarily. And and I so what what I connected with was watching them watch the footage or think about those times and enjoy themselves and and think about the reality and the depth of those relationships at that time. And, and absolutely, I think fame is gonna drive and accentuate some of that. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all think of those times and places and people where that was the whole world. And that I connected with and I like to see. How about you? Yeah, no, that's something that I... Uh... Okay, let me backtrack a little. As you slumberers might know or might not know, spent a lot of times doing uh, two Corey's films this year. Couldn't even do all of them. And just seeing the tragedy that became 
those two Corys, I mean, you know, rest in peace, one of them, obviously, but, yeah. and also just from other things in media, some stuff that I'll talk about a little bit later when we do some recommendations and stuff, but these kids are in such a unique position where they're the only kids who are recognized on the street like that. Um, there's, there's footage in here of like random people calling her, her number. And by the way, she kept all her, like, I guess they weren't voicemails. They were, I guess they're tapes. So they're easier to keep, right? Like answering machine messages, but that's wild. She kept them all. And they're just random people just cursing her off and saying crap about her. And that's going to happen when you're famous. So I, I get when celebrities get together in general, even as adults, because you know, they're one of the only people in their unique circumstances. Right. And as kids, I can't even imagine the pressure you feel. I can't even imagine what that's like to just... Uh, I think it's... Um, who was it? One of the actors, and maybe you'll remember better than me, was like, the director told me as soon as I stepped on the set, I became an adult. Oh, Mark Paul Gosler. Yes, yes. And I've, and, I heard him talk about that before. And like, it's like, oh, that was like a holy shit moment to me. Yeah. It's like... Wow. Uh, but there was also, you know, in the film, there's a lot, a lot of fun stuff, too. It was fun to kind of get a little footage of Leo in the background. As divisive as Corey Feldman is, watching all those Corey movies and then seeing that him say that quote was so Corey Feldman, and it made yeah. me chuckle. Um, that is another thing, too, with the Charlie shooting. I know, you know, we've talked about him a lot, but Corey Feldman claimed or has claimed that Charlie Sheen was one of Corey Haim's rapists in Hollywood on the, the film Lucas. Now, most people have said that that is not true, including Corey Haim's mother. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know because I don't know if Corey Feldman is making this stuff up or whatever. I don't want to accuse him of that, but I'm just putting it out there because everyone basically has dismissed everything this guy says. I don't know. My, my point is, though, I come from that to see a movie right. where they're like, oh, and Charlie Sheen was the, per- the shoulder to cry on. I'm like, what is going on? That was that was a weird experience. The part, and it's technically not high school, but when she decides to go to New York and break off on her own and go to the new school, um, I was very happy for her being able to just kind of do plays because... Again, imagine being a kid where they're throwing you on sets and everyone's seeing you. And the joy of just doing a play for maybe 20 people must have been awesome for her. And to like dig into the work in a way that was different than a formulaic show. The other thing, though, with that was uh, Kids was a movie that we covered here in High School Slumber Party. And I don't know how true it is. She just said she like bumped into skaters on the street and they just happened to be the cast of Kids. Or whatever. This was something that when I initially saw it, I'm like, where have I seen all these people? And then once I recognized it was from that movie, I was like, oh no, all these people are going to die. Because I just knew from like doing the research of that film. Right. And when we flash to, I guess it's the closing, right before, right after the closing credits where they just throw the boxes of all the people who we saw who passed away. Yeah, eight that yeah. was like, oh man, that's tough. Uh, again, a lot of drug use in the film um, and drinking, underage drinking. And the fact that she's kind of going on these corny 90s TV uh, talk shows, which I don't know if they have anymore. Maybe they do. But I remember growing up with 
some of them and it was like let's talk teenage issues right absolutely <laughs> that was the fun part of being sick right as you got to stay home and watch i mean joan rivers had an early morning show jenny jones ricky lake geraldo lisa sarah jesse Raphael, sally jesse Raphael, Sal- sally jesse Raphael. i know there's daytime shows but they're more like let's cook more with celebrities ce- celebrity yeah <laughs> exactly it's not just like <laughs> again i i don't know like Disco parents, like, can these there parents... Is, there's a couple of really interesting studies about that era. Really? Um, yeah, there's one book called um, Freaks Talk Back by um, Joshua Ganson, and it's um, it's a sociology book, which is why I've, I've read it, but makes a number of different points. Who is the other one that... Um, what does matter? Makes a number of points about it, but talking about that was maybe the sometimes the first place where you could see queer culture, subculture, kind of non-dominant culture represented and kind of for better, for worse, and in what ways. Anyway, yeah, there's some good, there's some good literature out there if you're interested on 80s and 90s daytime talk show fair. Um, But yeah, certainly she was there talking say no to drugs and abstinence and various things. It reminded me a lot of some of the similar kind of narrative we've seen around Drew Barrymore. Yeah, that's that's actually a good call. Right, who is similarly living a different life than what was appearing in those. Which, and, and I'm not saying with judgment, I'm just saying. No. Is what happens, you know. And, and I think here we see that illustrated, you mentioned all the voicemails, including from her publicist or agent or somebody oh, yeah. saying, you can't say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that was a great moment. But it's so cringeworthy when... Just the idea of like a teenager going on, I know she's famous, but going on TV and just be like, just saying, just talking about her sex life like that, you know what I mean? That's something like, sure. do, do that with- Do you remember the Jonas Brothers? Oh, I forgot about that whole Selena thing. Gomez, Demi Lovato, Taylor yeah. Swift. There was a, a whole swath of purity rings in the 2010s. That's true. It's more recent than I was remembering. The Britney Spears of it all, right? Like, Justin Timberlake outed her for having sex with him. We should have turned on him then, folks. <sighs> That's another podcast. Yes, free Britney hashtag. But <laughs> you're so right. I'm just now going down memory lane. Like, because it, it feels like that would be a distant thing, but the Jonas Brothers thing, what was that, 10 years ago, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That's I'm crazy. Sorry. It's so crazy. What were the things that struck you that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I like Jenny Lewis. Got to see her here. Uh, let's see. Oh, they said there was one party that Michael Jackson's chimp attended, which I'm like, what kind of... Like, that just took me off on things. Michael Jackson, obviously, person with issues. But did, did he actually think like, oh, all these teenagers are going to this like Hollywood teenager nightclub. Let me drop my monkey off. Like, that's... Oof. That's levels right there. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't pretend to know what was what was going on. Uh, the Brian Austin Green hip hop album scene. I liked seeing that. I liked see. I really liked hearing him talk about that. That yeah. you know that it made sense to him as a human. It made sense to him in his career, and then it was so hurtful for it not to work out. You know, that's it. It makes me think. I mean, we sort of made a joke recently, just a second ago, of like free Britney and all that, but. But it makes me think about how we treat celebrities and Absolutely. how we treat artistic endeavors that we 
decide are worthy or not. And, and that there is often a human, often lots of humans working on it behind that. And that, you know, we could all probably be a little bit kinder. Poor Brian. That's what I got out of this. Poor Brian Austin Green. Just kidding. (laughs) The Britney Spears thing is so relevant, though, to this, because I feel like, or I hope we're coming to a little bit of a cultural, what do they call it? We're like, we all are like... Reckoning? Reckoning, yeah. Regarding that, because, you know, when, what is it? Kevin Federline had that rap album, you know, not only did we trash him, we trashed her for being with him. And it's Mm -hmm. like, why? And... This is also, we're not talking about the Kanye West, like, billionaire adults who have, oh, you know, maybe Kanye's aside because I know he has, um, you know, mental health issues or whatever, but billionaire adult people who make decisions and go to space, right? A lot of billionaires are going to space. We could talk whatever we want about them or whatever, but a teenager who makes a decision, who likes rap, let me make a rap album. They do it. And again, I wasn't of age when this rap album, I didn't know it came out, but I could only imagine it would have been like quadrupled in later eras when stuff like this would happen. I could only imagine the shit he got for just following his dream. Like it's so sad. Right. And it could have easily gone the other way. I had Joey Lawrence's cassette (laughs) tape. Because he was on Blossom, because then at the end of an episode, they showed a music video. Why is my baby blue? Can't see the colors of a sunny day. You know what I mean? Like, it could easily go the other way. Of course it's cheesy. Do I still have it memorized? (laughs) Yes, because my brain is full of garbage. But I think that's another piece, again, where... I'm going to say maybe a missed opportunity. That could have been what this was about a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, right? Yeah. It it ended up being about Soleil finding Danny, but that wasn't even what it was about. You know what I mean? Like it just, as as a film, I have some critiques, right? And we've been over them. But because I enjoyed some of the humans, it kind of made up for it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you already mentioned David Arquette too. thought he was so humble and like awesome here and happy he's alive he seems just happy to be alive that's really everything i had in my notes did you have anything else you want to bring up my goodness i you know i think yeah i think we've said we've said all the things and i am excited to talk you know uh to sort of give give some suggestions and and awards to <laughs> the participants in Kid 90. <laughs> yeah, and we're not going to give every award out today because some are just not applicable at all. And this is AP. We don't need to pander down to the regular slumbers. No, I'm kidding. But we're not, <laughs> we're not going to give all the awards out because some just don't feel like they connect here. But, like, we know this was not based on YA, for example. Right. It's a true story. We did have uh, Dead Teens, which we discussed, mm-hmm. sadly. So let's skip ahead to the question you brought to us, Aislinn, that old extra credit assignment for someone in the movie. Do you have a teen movie or a classic teen movie that you would recommend? Not a character in the movie, but someone who appeared in the film. I Yeah, absolutely. So I would be interested in really a number of folks, but let's, you know, start with the, the filmmaker and protagonist, Soleimun Fry. I would like kind of if if she were part of this AP discussion, right? What cont- in the contemporary teen oeuvre, 
right? Is she, is she familiar? What, what might she have to say about to all the boys I've loved before, for oh, example? That's a good call. Yeah. I like um, and I know that's top of mind because I just did it. And then if I could do two, then the other one is because I think it is somewhat related and could be not helpful, but could be, um, I think she would open her heart to my favorite of all time, um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Of course, of course. And so I would like to watch that with Soleil Moonfry, you know, because it, it is a little bit back in time and might not line up exactly with this era, but I feel like for her, that era could have been kind of aspirational as well. So both a, a flashback and a contemporary. Well, I, I like that a lot. I actually also picked a contemporary film because we, we bend the rules of space and time here on High School Slumber Absolutely. Uh, so she hangs out with those skater kids from Kids, Soleil and Fry. Um, just to avoid the tragedy and the heavy drug use and, I don't know, the distraction from pursuing her acting pursuit, I'm recommending she watch a film that came out in 2019 called Skate Kitchen. It's about uh, these teenage girls who are skaters. It's directed by, uh, directed by a woman, and she just came off directing this movie. Again, we're, we're, direct, you know, we're uh, bending space and time here. So Absolutely. She clearly had an interest in skating. Maybe it's something we'll cover here on High School Slumber Party AP because I really enjoyed it. So, Soleiman Fry, please watch Skate Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Should we just grade the film, I guess, at this point, since all the other questions are rather silly? Sure. I'm really curious what your grade's going to be, Island, because, you know, as you said, mixed feelings on this, so... Those are the hardest movies to grade. Rotten Tomatoes, though, just to give a little bit of a rubric for our old report card. 76% by the critics, 73% by the audience. Letterbox 3.2 out of 5. But of course here, we do, we do the old A plus to F scale. So this week you get the red pen first. You get the Manila report card. What are you grading, Kid90? That's I, I, I'm interested in those numbers. I'm I'm... It's interesting to me that that Rotten Tomatoes critically was that high for it. It's also slightly over an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not, I don't know. It, that's interesting. I'm going to think about that. I, I'm going to, I would give it a B minus. And then because, because there were all those missed opportunities and then because she did confront a lot of really personal things and put them out there, I might recalibrate that to a B. Ooh, I'm surprised. Higher than I thought. I actually gave it a B as well because this is, <laughs> this sounds so mean because it's so personal what I'm about to say, but it feels like B student work in a sense that like, I, it's like, I love what you have here, but you could have done more with this. Yeah. <laughs> We're being very critical, Soleil, if you're listening. Okay, so... Uh, we're just, this, this is, is AP. This is AP, exactly. If you were in regular slumber party, maybe you get that A, but no, this is AP. I, I'm happy that she did this, and I also, you know, I'd be curious if she would direct more. I know she has directed a narrative film. I haven't seen it. She's directed two, actually. Wild Horses and Sunny Boy are the names of them. I haven't seen either of them, but... Maybe this is something we didn't say, though I, th I think maybe it didn't need to be said. 
Another thing here, this is a movie definitely about people of privilege, right? Uh, people who have means. Maybe not towards the end with some of them, but she certainly has means. If I had the means and I could make a movie like this that was just a personal cathartic process for me, maybe I would do it. You know what I mean? So good for her, I guess. But sure. I-, I could see other things from her. I would actually like to see her do a documentary that wasn't about her. I think that, again, I sound so condescending to say this, but... No, I-, I-, I would love to see her do a documentary about something in teen entertainment more contemporarily. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, actually, we'll, we'll we'll get to our recommendations, but something I have for uh, my recommendation list is actually pretty adjacent to that. So both Bs for us. Interesting. All right. Uh, we left this one on, so let's see if we can do it. Movie-themed sleeping bags. You have a Kid 90-themed sleeping bag. You know, it would just be the snapshots. Like, a, I believe it's after the sort of in-memoriam panel and we're still getting some audio from her. Because again, I am so impressed, like it's, you know, echoing what you said that she recorded all, all of this, that is, and kept it and, and ha- is able to get to it. Like that is amazing. And I think a lot of people wish they, they had that. But the background as the movie ended was just kind of snapshot on top of snapshot. And so that would that would be the, the sleeping bag, right? Uh, this is a movie about a specific group of people at a specific time and so that's what would be plastered all over it i like that i like that and it is the look of the movie that is so i mean it's 90 percent of the film right like just seeing it through that footage i also loved the art for the film if you will it's not really a poster because you know they're not plastering this in the subway or whatever but uh, when you click on hulu it has the tape it reminded me of the high school slumber party logo so. it did yeah i thought <laughs> of that too <laughs> i i don't know what mine would be maybe i'll just make it look like that and have the crappy answer there but i'm stumbling with this one because it just feels kind of perverse to do something based on something specific in the movie no. sure so I'll just go with the the artistic look of the quote unquote or air quotes poster. <laughs> I already told you what uh, your assignment should be. We're going to continue the two all the boys thing, Islin. Absolutely. So let's do my other 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 favorite question every week, and it's that old rent two movies, get one free. We both get two choices, so we're in that blockbuster. You know, we'll we'll go to a 90s looking blockbuster in our heads, but it has every movie that has ever existed. We know that we're watching Kid 90 at this slumber party together. What what two other picks for this Rent 2 Movies Get One Free category will you bestow on the AP listeners today? Oh, it's um it's tough. There's so many, so many, right? Um I think I'm going to start with another documentary and because you had mentioned the skateboard movie that i have not seen it made me think of uh dogtown and z boys nice and so i think that to give you know she she gave a lot of time and space to that particular group of of skaters that she intersected with but this you know is is a different perspective. Um, and so I, I would do that. And then 
what else would go with Kid 90? I think probably something lighter, honestly. And so, nope, I went the other way. <laughs> For whatever reason, I think because I re- referenced Blossom, it made me think of beaches. And so go with me on this. <laughs> this should be fun. It's from the era, right? It would likely have been something that she had seen. Silly Moon Fry had seen like in that time. And one of the things that I got out of this film is like that, those pivotal, important friendships, those mm. deep and kind of abiding friendships. And show business, I mean, I think there are intersections there. And so I'm going to, this is a weird night. This is a weird slumber party <laughs> night. But I'm going to say beaches. I like it. I like <laughs> it. I love where they go in those directions. I, I'm going with more on-the-nose picks, but... Good. And mine, unfortunately, we're, it's kind of a dark subject matter, but I'm going to stick in that oeuvre. Um, I think it was last year that Alex Winter had his documentary Showbiz Kids on HBO, which was really good. And it's it's felt doubly appropriate to put in this trifecta because he is someone who didn't focus necessarily on his upbringing as a showbiz kid he more focuses on the newer generation which i think is awesome so maybe she didn't want to remake that maybe she wanted to be more personal and that's fine i i don't know but i think it pairs well with this movie and the other one is a Corey film it's a Corey haim film It is also a documentary, if you will, using the air quotes. It's sad, but it's also kind of hilarious. When studios would no longer cast him because he had too many uh, drug problems and stuff, and he just became uninsurable, I believe either his mom or him released this tape called Corey Haim, Me, Myself, and I. Um, You could find it on YouTube, and it was just supposed to be like the day in the life of Corey Haim. It opens with him writing on the chalkboard, like me, myself, and I. He's like, I'm just a regular kid, you know? And he's like playing hockey. But it has the same qualities because like it's more of a it's more produced because it's he hires like a production company to follow him or whatever. Sure. But the YouTube quality of it is like crappy VHS. It just felt like it was in this world and it was it to me was almost the extreme of what the critics or like the naysayers, I say, might say about this film. Like Is this just her personal propaganda? I don't necessarily feel that way. It's certainly not to the Corey Haim, me, myself, and I direction. But to me, it sits in the middle of the two other things. Uh, Sorry, uh, Kid 90 sits in the middle of Corey Haim, me, myself, and I, which is on the extreme. And Alex Winter, a child star himself, making showbiz kids, but kind of removing himself as a subject matter and doing it about... Hmm. other showbiz kids so i like that get to run, run the gamut there <laughs> absolutely i i love a spectrum so yes. that's great <laughs> great very different answers that makes up for us having the same letter grade yes yes and last time we had i forgot which one but was it pitch perfect one of the films we had were the same so yeah <laughs> we we need some variation here yeah well, we, we hope you will join us next time. We are um, often, you know, in the summer, folks are out of their offices, potentially on sabbatical, etc. So we don't have a syllabus uh, for the <laughs> summer. You'll just have to join us to find out 
what we're going to cover next. We're keeping it a little bit of a surprise. Yep. Just for fun. We're winging it this summer. And like every summer, you should wing it. That's that's sincerely how I feel. That's not how my summer goes, unfortunately. <laughs> I just look at my calendar. I'm like, oh, so many baby showers or whatever. But, no, it's hard <laughs> being a grown up. Yes. Yes, it is. But I hope you guys, I don't, I don't know, enjoyed today's episode. Maybe you did. But I, ho- I hope, yes, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we were able to connect. Um, this was a blast, Island, just talking about this with you. And not, you know, not the easiest subjects to talk about, but... We'll throw in a fun one soon, too. We'll throw in a fun movie. There'll be a work it again. Maybe there'll be an American Pie Girls rules again, too. Who knows? But that's the beauty of modern films. We get a wide range of stuff, and I think they're all important, and they're all awesome to talk about. So once again, you could follow us on our social media, High School Slumber Party everywhere. And and Aislinn, anything you want to plug or where they can follow you again? Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at SassyNerdMT. You could also... Uh, follow the contenders which is the podcast i do with my brother here on the cage club podcast network at contenders underscore pod That's Rilo Kylie, of course, Teenage Love Song. I thought it would be a good track to kind of bring us to the ending here for a couple reasons. One, Jenny Lewis in the movie, a friend, of course, of Soleil Moon Fry. But two, I actually found this fun. Uh, Soleil Moon Fry made a Spotify list of all the music, basically, not of just of that era, because I think the song is from a little bit later than that, but just music that inspired her while I think making the movie. So check out her list on Spotify. A lot of good tracks there. Some House of Pain songs. Obviously House of Pain was big in this as well. But some some real cool stuff too. Radiohead. Things like that. So definitely check that out. And of course, thank you Aislinn, my co-professor. Every time we do a High School Slumber Party AP episode. I'm just here to remind you to have a good summer. And remind you of your unofficial homework. Because this Friday, straight from San Emilio Island, USA, myself, Brian Rodriguez, and Kyle Reinfried will be bringing you an episode, and we'll be talking another Beach Party movie. This one is Muscle Beach Party. Yeah, man, the boys are here, the girls are here, and the muscle men are here. 
Bikini chicks are the bait and romance the reward. A boy needs a girl he can count on. Now, Dee Dee, come I down have and... just one question. Did you kiss him because he's lovable or because he's the only man on the beach? Oh, no, don't quit now, Dee Dee. I think you're ahead. Okay, how's this for a closer? <laughs> And have your girls and sell their romances now On the wave as well, I'll take my chance now Muscle Beach Party, a melange of muscles, hit music and mirth Lore, poor Lore We go any lower, we'll cut off their heads I'm not interested in their heads <laughs> You're all happy street Cause when you're happy, you make me happy on happy street Buy Sicily. Okay. You buy half of Sicily. Let Sinatra have the other half. Onward, men! The war's begun! Now, wait a minute, Fanny! Okay, fellas, come on, we're ready. Come on. Onward! And if this isn't your idea of fun, then you're a rat fink. <laughs> what a way to end a trailer. That was great. <laughs> yep, Muscle Beach Party. We go from contemporary films on High School Slumber Party to really, really old ones. But hey, Frankie's back. Annette's back. I'm looking forward to this one. I think there's going to be a lot of fun things in Muscle Beach Party. So that's your unofficial homework. Check that out. We'll be back on Friday. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop, look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.